Good evening, and welcome to Yada uh, Radio. I'm here with uh, Kirk. If I sound a bit uh, melancholy this evening, it is because uh, I am. It's a uh, personal uh, uh, issue. Um, I'm, I'm remodeling the home we uh, live in uh, uh, here um, in the, United, the U.S. Virgin Islands. And uh, one of the young men that works for me, it's his first uh, real job. Uh, he and his father both are part of our uh, team, and I really uh, have come to like and respect this young man. And uh, uh, he is um, wrongly charged in a uh, crime uh, that uh, I am working with an attorney that I've hired on his behalf to uh, suppress uh, uh, the evidence because there was no probable cause. And the, uh, the only thing that they found in the car were, were either misrepresented or they are not of violation of uh, the U.S. Constitution or any, uh, any law. And so this evening, um, I'm dealing with his best friend, who was uh, a co-defendant in that uh, case, who's had uh, the last 15 months of his life stolen from him. He was thrown in jail without any indictment, uh, without reason, for uh, eight months, and has subsequently spent seven months under house arrest, uh, was never charged with a crime. Uh, And... uh, uh, he is still under house arrest, cannot leave, wearing an ankle bracelet. Um, and it's all because of uh, some dirty cops have uh, fabricated uh, claims against him. There is no evidence of any kind to support what they have done to him. And frankly, I care. I uh, went to uh, their home uh, at the far side of this island and spent uh, a better part of two days ago listening to them tell their story. And I've been working with multiple attorneys uh, trying to to help them. And when uh, you get engrossed in something like this, you can either walk away and say, hey, I'm not an attorney. It's not my fault. Uh, I didn't even know two of these people prior to two days ago. But if we do that, are we any better than somebody that witnesses, uh, say, and a woman being uh, raped and 
decides that they're going to stand by and film it, uh, not intervene. I think to be a person of character, uh, you have to do the best you can to help somebody who is not capable of helping themselves, who has been uh, hurt. And I want to tell you that the education system has failed these uh, three young people to the point that they're not able to represent themselves in terms of uh, they know they were wronged, but being able to articulate in a way that will be of help is, uh, is quite difficult. So I've tried to be a very good listener and to have conveyed their story, uh, and it is a tragic one. Uh, I have, for a long time, spoken out against police and said that uh, they, like the U.S. military, have a propensity to begin with dishonesty. And uh, they will fabricate evidence. They will then support one another. And the judges, even knowing that the officers lie, will take the officer's word over that of the accused. It is a badly broken system. Police are way too quick to deprive people of their freedom and to accuse them and to rob them of their constitutional rights. It's a very serious problem affecting America that I said was going to blow up in our face beginning 20 years ago. In this regard, the um, U.S. Supreme Court announced uh, earlier this week on an, on an item that's not getting much attention now, but that the restrictions against bearing arms in New York are invalid. They're unconstitutional. They've overturned the New York laws regarding possessing a firearm. They've done so for obvious reasons. It was a six to three vote. You do have three grotesque libertards on the Supreme Court that don't really care what the document says. But if you read the document, the, the uh, Second Amendment is quite clear. Uh, Jefferson is the one who wrote it. Uh, he was opposed to um, a uh, established military. He thought an established military was the second, the, actually the single greatest threat to a nation and that uh, a central bank was the next greatest threat. And so what he wrote is something that, that I don't think one in a million people understands, that an armed militia, an armed community, non-soldiers, average people that are armed is the uh, best protector of liberty. And that as such, there can be no restrictions on a person's right to keep or bear arms. So the arms they're discussing are military weapons. They're not hunting rifles. Let's be clear about that. They are military-style weapons. And the purpose is that Jefferson knew that if the people were armed, the country itself could not impose a tyranny over them. And Jefferson recognized that if the people are armed, no one could successfully invade the country. It's true today. We have no value in the U.S. military. There is no nation on earth that can successfully project a force and invade the United States because, A, they have no means to project a force, and, B, the United States is well-armed by civilians 
which means that it would be impossible to occupy. Those are the facts. That's why it was written. Therefore, all of these laws, including the ones that my friend and workers have been accused of, are blatantly unconstitutional. In Vivaldi, Texas, we learned something uh, this week that many of us suspected. The problem wasn't the gun. It's the men holding them. And this time, I'm not actually speaking of the psychopath, who was a clear psychopath and the perpetrator of the, the murders. I'm talking about the men who were being paid and who had sworn an oath to protect. Like spineless jellyfish. They stood out in the hallway with ballistic shields, with automatic rifles, for an hour and just listened. As young boys and girls were murdered. They are repulsive. They are the problem. We in America have dumbed this country down. We have robbed it of the ability to exercise good judgment. We no longer know what it means to be moral. We don't have people with the courage to stand up with backbone. And so they stood by as those children were murdered. Now I want to turn our attention to Roe v. Wade. Because Roe v. Wade and the Second Amendment on the right to keep and bear arms are related in a very direct way to the Torah. While the U.S. Constitution is a piece of trash compared to the Torah, it is still the governing document of this republic, the United States. Without the, uh, the U.S. Constitution, there is no United States. There's no president. There's no means to elect a Senate or, uh, or a Congress. There's no judicial system. There's no Supreme Court. There are no rights to, uh, to um, unreasonable search and seizure. There are no protections uh, uh, affording free speech. None of those things exist without the U.S. Constitution. So as liberals will tell you that, that it is responsible to restrict guns, that particularly assault rifles, but they want to restrict all guns, and direct violation of the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, how is it that you can ignore a portion of the U.S. Constitution and expect those portions that you prefer to be withheld? It's irrational. You can't say, I want to ignore this one. In fact, I want to do exactly the opposite of the protections that it promises, but don't you dare take these other promises away from me. Roe v. Wade happens to be the same thing. Roe v. Wade was unconstitutional. There is no mention of abortion in the U.S. Constitution. And the U.S. Constitution is exceedingly clear. It says that any right that isn't expressly granted the federal government belongs either to the state or to the people. Therefore, something that is not discussed in the Constitution, not even remotely discussed in the U.S. Constitution cannot be a federal right. It is a state right. And let's be clear. 
when they overturned Roe v. Wade, they did not make abortion illegal anywhere. What they did is said it is the state's responsibility to determine abortion rights. That's what the U.S. Constitution wants. If you don't like what the document says, there is a specific means to amend the document. Add an amendment. But if you can't amend the document, then don't pretend you can have part of it and can't have the others. So, all overturning Roe v. Wade did is make the Supreme Court decision constitutional. It's now a state right. You don't like that? Then pass an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. There's a prescribed way to do that. Personally, I've talked about abortion many times on this show. One of the things that I have said is that I don't buy the argument, my body, my right. Because obviously, your choice over your body caused an unwanted pregnancy. That was your choice, and you got it wrong. Now, why should it have to be my obligation to pay for your abortion, for your mistake? If you can't control your body, then you ought not have control over your body. You can't have that argument. And that's the main argument for pro-choice. I think the decision on abortion is fairly straightforward. I think in the first trimester, I understand that if the would-be father and would-be mother do not want that pregnancy to continue, it is a, that fetus at that point is wholly dependent on the, uh, on the would-be mother uh, and that at that point, I view that it is their right and their decision as to what they would wish to do going forward. You know, that's, that's my conclusion in that regard. In the third mm-hmm. trimester, when the fetus is viable outside of the mother's body, I think it is absolutely and unquestionably murder. In that second trimester, there's a gray line. As science advances, we move closer and closer to earlier and earlier viabilities. But I think when that fetus is viable, you kill it. You're committing an act of murder and should be prosecuted as such. Both the, the would-be mother, would-have-been mother, and also the physician that performs the procedure. So those are my views on, um, on abortion. Um, God does not speak of, uh, of abortion. I also take umbrage with those who said that this was an answer to prayer. I will tell you for certain that God did not intervene in this case. He doesn't give a rat's patootie about the U.S. Constitution. He does not care about anything that the U.S. Supreme Court does. He doesn't give a hoot about the United States of America. And he has never listened to the prayer of someone who is not Torah observant. Taking this to the Torah itself, it reminds me of the religious. Christians want to tell the story of, of Noah and the ark. They want to tell the story of Adam and, and what they call Eve in the Garden of Eden. They want to tell the story of Abraham. And then they want to move on to the story of David killing Goliath. 
They want to tell old covenant stories. They want to talk about uh, creation. But then they would annul the parts that are contrary to their religion, which is 99% of it. You can't do that. That is irrational. You can't claim that your God inspired the Torah and then contradict 90% of it through your religious documents, which is what Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all do. It is God's argument against the religious. He doesn't care if you believe that uh, Toto, the dog of the Wizard of Oz, is God and can fly by flapping his ears. He doesn't care if you think that there's no place like home in Kansas. He doesn't care if you want to go follow the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. He does not care. Go and do it. You're free to do so. Squander your life in any way you see fit. His issue is when you try to take something he said and use it to promote a religious, conspiratorial, or political agenda. When you take something he has said out of context, misrepresent it, and then reject everything else. That is what the religious do. That is why God despises religion. We are um, marketing this program uh, tonight uh, in... um, and Brazil. I think this is our second uh, go in Brazil, so I hope that the Jewish committee in Brazil is, uh, is listening and that they will consider what uh, Yahweh has to say. So those are my thoughts, Kirk, on, uh, on the U.S. Constitution as it uh, applies to the, uh, the Torah and the approach people are taking uh, to it. Um, you're, as always, welcome to add to that or uh, disagree. No, I'm I'm in I'm in all. This is a presentation I'll be in every civics class, and I'll be on every television show. I, is, I, those of us who have aged enough remember these things were true and always were true about the Constitution. Why yes. it was formed? It was formed so so that, to protect you from the government. Correct. You know, you had to, they had to agree to they had to agree to right. the Bill of Rights before they could even form a government. And, that was that was Jefferson's prime Madison. Yeah, Jefferson again. That was their uh-huh. primary concern is they had seen the governments in Europe and they wanted to protect uh-huh. the people from the government. And they wanted yeah. to keep they believed in states' rights being more important yes. than federal rights. So they were they were there to limit the rights of the federal government and to maximize the rights of the people. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, those who are, particularly those who are liberal, want to ignore the core purpose of the U.S. Constitution, ignore what it says, and then do what they like. And yet, there is, trust me here, folks, there's no welfare, there's no income tax, there's uh, no redistribution of wealth, there's no free education. There is no equal rights. There's nothing. Without the U.S. Constitution in the United States, you got total anarchy. Um, may I say, so, if they did one other yeah. thing, one sure. other thing in regards to the money, 
there was a there was a way to print money or to make money, not not to uh, print it, and that was based on coinage, and only the federal government right. could do that. And uh, in a few a few things, the federal government was a loose a loose less powerful central government. We wouldn't have these deficits now. We wouldn't have to all this right. money to buy. Only just multiple, multiple, yeah. multiples. Jefferson, um, who was the uh, chief inspiration behind um, the founding document of our country, uh, spoke mm -hmm. eloquently against a central bank, and yet that's what we have. Mm -hmm. He spoke yeah. eloquently uh, against a U.S. established military, and yet that's what we have. And he said these are the, the things of deception. These are the things of tyranny. Um, and, you know, we've even moved to the point where we speak of democracy as being a great thing, that America is a democracy. No, it isn't. It's a republic. Well, it was, no. It's a constitutional republic. The founding yeah. fathers were adamant against a democracy. No democracy has ever survived. No democracy will ever survive. Um, and we've corrupted our republic to the point that we're suffering the fate of democracies, which is where the majority uh, who are not particularly productive, want to steal money from the minority who are productive. And you do that long enough, and the productive stop being productive, and the unproductive are never productive. This is the, wow. uh, the reality of the, uh, of the whole thing. And of course, our currency now isn't based upon the standards set in the U.S. Constitution, but in, based on a fiat currency. A fiat currency is actually a debt instrument. And now mm -hmm. with inflation uh, roaring, uh, that debt instrument is going to become ever more of a burden. And we're about to go into the worst of all possibilities, which is a steep recession coupled with roaring inflation. High and there, inflation. Is, yeah. there is nothing there is nothing worse. Oh, that's a vice. Uh, oh, well, I guess Please. there is something worse. That's, well, also waging war with the uh, with a country capable of destroying the entire world uh, that would be uh, worse and then there's something worse than that which is uh being in the midst of a uh, of a, an ever uh, mutating uh, pandemic that uh, nations are responding to in all of the uh, the worst ways possible uh, i guess and that could be what could be worse than that is the prevalence of uh, progressive thought and uh and conspiracy which uh, render minds mush. So yeah, yes. it's a <laughs> it's the future oh, that, that Yahweh no, told us to about. The Torah. Yeah. It is yeah. okay. We're going to return uh, to Yeshaya. Uh, we were uh, reading uh, Yeshaya eight fifteen. And by the way, I, I just want to add one thing. So that sounds like doom and gloom. Uh, it is, and, and yeah. be aware that the second most frequently discussed subject throughout the Torah and prophets is the end days doom and gloom. That uh, God mm -hmm. says everything is going to fall apart and these are all the bad things that are going to happen and this is the reason they're going to happen and he is explicit. He tells you yeah. exactly what we're experiencing and going to experience. And it is of our doing. We have brought this on ourselves. No one to blame but us. And his principal concern is Yisrael, who has been the worst of the worst. So that's just the reality. You don't like it. Don't blame me. Don't even blame God. Blame yourselves. 
because we as humans have brought these conditions on ourselves. The, uh, the primary, the number one subject throughout the Torah and Prophets is actually God's ongoing rant against religion. Most especially Judaism, but certainly Christianity and Islam, and to a large degree, socialist secular humanism. God despises religion. As we learned last week, he also despises conspiracy, which happens to be the world's fastest growing religion. And so God is very clear, Yahweh happens to be his name for those who are new to this program, in his animosity towards Judaism, Christianity, Islam, socialist, secular humanism, conspiracy, uh, patriotism, uh, being pro-military, all of these things. Uh, Particularly opposed to the caste systems that were imposed by every nation and civilization on earth until uh, really quite Mm -hmm. recently. So that is just the reality of this story. And until um, I wrote the most recent two chapters, I've written chapters one and two of uh, now volume eight, and by the way, Volume 7 is now published. You can buy it in hardback, softback, or also in a Kindle uh, edition from Amazon. And you can pull it off the bookshelf for free at yadayad.com. Uh, and uh, I'm doing this every day. And so um, I'm, I'm certain that, uh, that my perspective on it is a bit jaundiced by the enjoyment that I get out of it. But I will tell you, I think that volume seven of Yada Ya is either the best or the second best written thus far. The only thing that I think compares to it is volume one of An Introduction to God, particularly as you move wow. into the chapter, Why You, Why Me? Um, volume eight has uh, now two chapters. They're not posted anywhere at at this point. They're still uh, mushing through the uh, edit stage and and we'll continue to write uh, more chapters. It begins uh, with an overview of uh, of Hosha, uh, but actually before we even get to Hosha, we get into Psalm uh, 90 or 81. Uh, And uh, up to this point, I had concluded, based upon the overwhelming evidence, that the thing that God hated the most was not just religion, but in particular Judaism. Mm -hmm. That Judaism is the human invention that most angers and annoys and displeases Yahweh. Now that will come as quite a shock to those Jews who uh, are either reform or conservative or are orthodox or, well, they won't, it won't come as a surprise to the Herodian because they won't be listening. Uh, they're restricted yeah. from uh, access to the Internet. But uh, for the rest of you, that may come as quite a surprise. But it is the single most overriding topic throughout the prophets, God's hatred of Judaism for what it has done to his people uh, and how it has deprived him of a relationship with them. But in, in writing Volume 8, 
particularly as I move to chapter two, which we begin the first six statements found in Hosea one. God's animosity towards Judaism is so blunt that there is absolutely no way to deny it. This is largely because that in Hosea 1, that means he saves, he delivers, uh, God specifically points out that the basis of really what I've always called is a divorce, but it's really not a divorce. It's God is disinheriting his children. And this disinheritance is prompted largely by using what transpired in the Jezreel Valley as, uh, as the example of what has driven God to this position. And in particular, the episode around uh, Ahab, uh, Jezebel, his queen, and their wholesale integration into Israel of the worship of the Lord, Baal, and Asherah, uh, the mother of God and queen of heaven, to you Roman Catholics out there, um, and the 850 prophets that uh, they brought against uh, Elia, who was the only surviving prophet of Yahweh, because Jezebel had all of the rest murdered. And that story and what they subsequently did is... Uh, at the forefront of God's hatred of Judaism. Uh, and so we will get to that in short order. But I just want our listeners to know that when we say that what this something means when we're reading it is God despises Judaism and has disinherited his people for a very prolonged period of time. He calls it a very long intermission in the opening chapter of Hosha. And he says uh, that uh, you are not my people anymore, and I most certainly am not your God to Israel. And that has not been reversed. It will be, but only <laughs> when a meaningful number of Israelites and Yehudim change. And it is unlikely that any of them are going to change any significant number. There's uh, Jewish covenant members who are covenant members as a result of what we have learned by translating Yahweh's testimony. Uh, but for that to occur within Israel in sufficient numbers to please Yahweh uh, on Yom Kippurim in year 6000 Yah, sunset, October 2nd, 2033, many, many, many Jews, I think as many as 7,000, are going to have to put down their Talmuds, reject Judaism, say Arrivederci to their rabbis, and come to embrace Yahweh by name and by testimony. And so it is for them that we speak and write. So let's uh, begin with uh, Yashaya 8.15. Okay. And then many shall stumble, and they will fall. They will be captured, broken, and controlled by others. Wa-yakosh is the Hebrew word for control. Um, 
I'm only aware, Kirk, of a, of a minimum number of devices, contrivances, that mankind has used over the years to control a large enough number of people that Yahweh would, uh, would write that speaking to Yisrael that they will, many, uh, Rabim, a great number, an mm-hmm. incountable number, uh, shall stumble and fall. And they will be captured, they will be broken, and they will be controlled by others. The controlling mechanisms to control vast numbers of people are primarily religion. It's the number one control mechanism throughout time. Number two is uh, governments and and politics, Uh, Mm -hmm. the imposition of tyrannies and what they have uh, done to uh, their own people and the nations around them, particularly with the imposition of caste systems, which were ubiquitous uh, uh, among all all civilizations and ubiquitous really until quite recently the caste system existed throughout roman catholic europe caste system also existed throughout the americas and, and all all of the major civilizations um, the the third uh is the militaries of course they are controlled uh by the political who are almost always mm-hmm. also religious and uh and then there are the internal forces, um, uh, policing kinds of forces that uh, such nations have uh, deployed, which can also control, as my uh, friends here on the islands have recently learned. Those really are the control mechanisms. I, I'm not aware of any other. And so when God gets mad at, at his people, he is not mad because... Uh, um, Sarah decided to steal Leah's lipstick. You know, this isn't about uh, uh, having uh, Uncle Saul cheat on, uh, on, on Aunt Rebecca. This, it's always about societal influences. And those yes. societal influences that are capable of causing his people to stumble and be captured and be broken are primarily religion, followed by politics, followed by militarism. So that's what God is talking about here. Israel would be ruled by others for the next 2,700 years after this was shared by Yashaya, Isaiah. Their overlords would include the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, Imperial Romans, Roman Catholics, uh, Arab Muslims, Ottoman Muslims, and finally the British. And that's just at home, apart from the diaspora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have no one to blame but themselves. They had turned, had they turned to Yahweh and relied on him rather than Judaism, he would have provided a safe sanctuary for them. We have a similar choice that was afforded to the northern kingdom circa 740 BCE. It's religion or the covenant relationship. Government or God? The military or the Mikra? Choose which one you want to protect your lives and freedom. It's the Mikra or treaties and the Torah. What do you want? Form treaties with other countries or do you want to depend on the Torah? Do you want to rely on your military for your freedom? Or, yeah, it was a seven. Oh, yeah. 
Those are the choices. Now, the two houses of Yisrael address the divisions uh, and infighting between the northern kingdom, known collectively as Ephraim, or just Yisrael, and the southern kingdom, which was led by Yahuda, Judah, which means beloved of Yah. Uh, This split uh, occurred during King Solomon's reign, uh, during which uh, the chosen people were divided into two houses, neither of which was allied with Yahweh. The chosen people's intermission uh, is explained by the prophet Hosha, through whom God revealed that both houses had broken his covenant and were no longer his children, divorced. And actually, it's not so much divorced as it is disinherited. Um, That period would endure for an exceedingly long time and is still ongoing. Now, speaking prophetically of what would eventually occur, God told the prophet Hosea, Hosea that he himself would heal the rift, something he accomplished on Pesach, Matzah, Bukodim, and Shabuah in 33 CE. <laughs> 33 CE is year 4000 Yah. It's a Yobel year. And that two days, which represents 2,000 years later, and thus in 2033, Year 6,000, Yah, he would reunite Israel and Yehuda, and in the process of reaffirming the covenant, uh, he would reconcile his relationship with his children. Now, just prior to Yahweh's return, and it is Yahweh who is returning, it most certainly isn't Jesus Christ. There was no Jesus. Uh, that individual most certainly was not the Christ, the Passover land. Uh, never comes back to life and certainly does not make a curtain call. So it is Yahweh who is returning. He has told us that he is returning with Dode, who is actually the Messiah and is actually the Son of God. He is going to return on Yom Kippurim in year 6000 Yah, which is sundown on October 2nd, 2033, if you would like to mark the date on your calendar. Now, prior to his return, when the consequence of political, religious, militant, and conspiratorial rhetoric becomes especially intolerable, Yehudim will find life difficult, according to God. This is Yahshua 8.15. And I want to remind listeners, we told uh, them this uh, last week, and I'll remind them, the reason we are now covering Yahshua uh, chapter 8 is because if you do not understand Yeshaya chapter 8, understanding 9, 6, and 7, which are the most misunderstood and misinterpreted passages in the prophet about a son that was given and a child that was born, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. it, it, and who he happens to be, uh, is so easily misunderstood that it has been used to promote the creation of an entire religion that became exceedingly anti-Semitic. So it's important that we, we move up to it in context. Now, this particular volume of Yadiyah, which is called Shana Years, uh, is based on the timeline that God uh, has presented to us. And since the central figure in that timeline, a man who lived exactly 3,000 years after Adam and Chawa were expelled from the Garden of Eden, and who lived exactly 3,000 years before Yahweh's children will be, re, be allowed to re-enter Eden, the man who 
who was the king of Israel, the Messiah and son of God, in year 3000 Yah, which was uh, occurred 968 BCE, is Dote. And so it's important that we know Dote's timing and role in God's timeline. Because mm-hmm. not only did Dode live and was the most interesting man in the world in year 3000 Yah, he is returning with Yahweh in year 6000 Yah as King of Kings. He's a very important individual to know and understand. Agreed. <laughs> so the rest of Yahshua 815 reads, And they will stumble and be overthrown with a great many rabbis, Rab, also falling. And they shall be destroyed, ceasing to exist, ensnared and controlled, even captured, becoming immovable, while clinging together. That's pretty blunt. Yes. This is what God is saying is going to happen to Israelites and Israel. They will stumble, they will be overthrown, and a great many rabbis will fall along with them. And they will be destroyed, ceasing to exist, ensnared and controlled, even captured. Yes, I did say, because Yahweh has said, that a remnant of his people uh, will be reconciled on the day of reconciliation, Yom Kippurim, in year 6,000 Yah, which is 2033. And there will be 7,000 on that day. I hope there are more. I also hope there are that many. I don't want to disappoint Yah. But the fact is that there are at least 15 million Jews alive today. And There may be many, many more who have Jewish DNA. There appear to be many, many more who don't even know they're Jewish. (laughs) Many of them are uh, are Christians, Roman Catholics, and um, they are uh, Muslims. Um, Yeah, even Muslims. Some of them very famous uh, Roman Catholics and uh, and Muslims. Um, So this tells us that the majority of, uh, of Jews are going to die. Now, do not think for a moment that this, therefore, somehow exonerates Christianity or Goyim, because it does not. No. Um, Christianity is a bastard stepchild of rabbinic Judaism. Um, no more accurate, no more inaccurate than Judaism itself. Both are rotten to the core. And Goyim are the very people that Yahweh told his people not to emulate. As a matter of fact, the reason that Jezreel is mentioned is the place that Yehudim, Jews, were the most like Goyim Gentiles, happened to be in the Jezreel Valley. So, the majority of people, particularly Yehudim, are going to uh, to perish, including all of those who would be Herodim, uh, ultra-Orthodox, but almost all religious and political Jews. 
Oh, speaking about religious and political Jews, I guess we'd be remiss if we did not mention uh, that the experiment of the grand unification theory in Israel with the Bennett government has failed. To his credit, he, uh, uh, he left power with great dignity. To the shame of Israel, it was manipulated by one of the most egocentric men in the world alive today. Uh, that would be Benjamin Netanyahu, who I do not think has a moral bone in his body. I am uh, distraught by this, uh, not because I was a particular fan of, uh, of Bennett. I thought that Bennett's uh, allegiance with uh, Rom and the Muslims was counterproductive to Israel, but he needed that party's support to garner enough votes for his uh, uh uh, his leadership to be approved uh, in the Knesset. But the thing that I'm most, uh, most disgusted about Netanyahu, uh, beyond the fact that he will do anything to the harm of Yisrael if it benefits him personally and his lust for power. Uh, and that's not, a, not my opinion. It's, that's a statement of fact. He proved it in the last uh, several weeks. But the reason that Netanyahu may ultimately put together a coalition is because he has bribed, by not being religious, but has bribed the Haredim to support him, and that the three religious parties always cast their lot in with him because he gives them what they want. He gives them control over marriage. He gives them control over immigration. He gives them control over determining who is a Jew. He is the sponsor of the stipends that uh, religious Jews are paid to be religious all day and do nothing. Uh, he is likely the most important reason that they do not work and that there are net parasites on the state. So I'm not a fan of one Benjamin Netanyahu. Well, in this next statement, uh, Kirk, there are many different yes. ways to translate sa'ar. Uh, the verb associated with ta'uda, the written and restoring testimony documenting the terms of the agreement. Sa'ar can be rendered to wrap up, to cover, to bind, and store. Uh, the document, to keep it safe or to harass and frustrate those considered mm -hmm. to be adversarial to it. In addition, it can be translated as to bring about the purpose of the testimony or to fix, mend, and restore the witness. We also find that Chatem used in conjunction with Yahweh's Torah uh, in this next statement, based upon how we translate this verb, God could be saying that his instructions will be signed and sealed with his personal mm -hmm. stamp, that his guidance will be sealed up and made secure or that his teaching represents the appropriate pattern for living since they're all permissible it's safer to include all of these definitions and what will be a very fully amplified translation now these factors are important for a number of reasons Yahweh in the midst of affirming one of the most surprising declarations we have considered thus far and thus it's critical for us to appreciate what he's trying to convey. God, and 
listen, I'm, I want to make no apologies for this. In fact, I want to actually share it uh, enthusiastically. We don't, I don't, ever want to convey the idea that I have all of the answers. I know who to turn to for the answers. I know how to go about searching for answers. I think, in fact, I know that we have found more answers, perhaps anyone who has ever anyone. Anyone. I mean, uh, I yeah, mean I've, we have I've, read, to more. I've read what Dode wrote, and Dode was inspired by God, and he was brilliant, and he has made many, many things clear for us. But I think if you were to take the uh, 25 volumes of Yada Yawa, you will find more unique insights and answers there regarding Yahweh's testimony, the word of Yahweh, than you will find anywhere else. And if you don't think so, then read them, and then you tell me where you can find more. Can I, can uh, I say one quick thing? Just read them and enjoy them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, um, you know, I go through everything you say and everything you write, and I, <laughs> I do my thing with it, all the same lexicons and some others, and on and on and on and on. Yeah. And uh, the funny is, you, it, it really is, that's what it says. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my notes here, and I'm going, no, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. And and, and anyone can do that and say, well, they're not lying. This is telling man, gosh, that's exactly what he says. Or is yeah. and, or these are the three options yeah. according to the, the, the context. And of Kirk, the there's, there's more to it than that because while knowing what God actually said is vitally important, think. there yeah. is something actually more important than knowing what God said. I understand. Understanding it. And we have been uniquely blessed with uh, multiple spirits, uh, seven of them, doing their utmost to put us at the forefront of understanding. So that when you read these books, you're going to find insights that heretofore have never been presented anywhere, ever. And yet... I would dare say that having written now for over 20 years, you'd be hard-pressed to find any significant declaration, conclusion, insight that is derived from Yahweh's testimony, which is invalid. You know, and Green. it's not like we keep any of this secret. In every no. book, we make them available in their entirety online. We uh, not only uh, present the translations, we present every Hebrew word that is within those translations in mm-hmm. its most genitive form so that you can copy and paste it into any search engine of your choice and look up what any one of the, the best 15 or 20 lexicons and dictionaries have to say that word means. And then if the word is complicated, like, these several that we have discussed in this upcoming statement, we tell you the truth. I'll expose it and say, this word could mean any one of these things. Mm-hmm. And so we have given you the keys so that you can think for yourself. You can learn for yourself. You can challenge anything we say. And we admit that it's very possible that Someone else's interpretation of this 
might be more valid, might be more interesting, might be augmentative, and we encourage mm-hmm. it. God foresaw and then foreclosed on a problem that, unchecked, would have become an irresolvable plague. This suggests that one of the reasons rabbis remain fixated on their Talmud and Mishnah, rather than on Yahweh's Torah, is they do not understand it. Averse to his guidance, unaware even of his name, stupefied by the purpose of his invitations, and ignorant of the intent of the covenant, they are engaged in mental masturbation among themselves. While this fixation on one another is annoying and presumptuous, even argumentative, uh, and affects those spellbound by them, only religious Jews are being victimized by it. Apart Mm -hmm. from their errant co-opting of terms such as Torah and Passover, they call their Talmud the Torah. It is not. They claim that there was an oral Torah. There was not. They claim that their oral Torah dates back to the time of Moshe and was given to the elders of Israel, and it's not only a lie. Every one of them knows that it is a lie and is easily disproven. And while they claim they are observing Yahweh's, actually they don't call him Yahweh's feast because they will not say Yahweh's name. They won't they say have disavowed, They yeah. have disavowed him. Uh, their Passover is far worse than what uh, Cain offered and was and was rejected uh they do longer celebrate matzah they have no clue what bakudam represents a few may occasionally um mention uh mm-hmm. that um there is a shabua but most of them have rejected it because it was usurped by christians who claim it was the birth of their church, which is utter nonsense. They've replaced Teruah with uh, Yom Kippurim. They have thrown in uh, Purim and, uh, and Hanukkah, um, which God says nothing about. They have twisted Yom Kippurim to a day of afflicting oneself and of twirling chickens over their heads in torturous fashion, as opposed to a day to reconcile the relationship. And I don't think there's one religious Jew in a million that understands that the purpose of sukkah is that God is inviting us back into the garden. So that is the reality of the twisting of, uh, of Judaism. Um, they will even tell you the covenant was a, a relationship established with the religion of Judaism when God says that the first requirement for participating in the covenant is to not be religious. So while their fixation on one another is annoying, their, uh, as I say, their arguments really only affect religious Jews. And that's important because God wants to reconcile his relationship with his people. And the only way for that to happen is for those who are not poisoned by the rabbis to reject them and open their ears up to what God has to say. So this is how it reads. Choose to wrap up, cover, and store 
the written testimony, keeping the correct information safe and secure from those who oppose it, and then bear witness to the authorized agreement to corroborate it and restore the relationship. Sign, seal, and affix the personal stamp to the Torah's teaching for my disciples who learn from me. <laughs> this is Yashaya, Yah saves Isaiah 8.6, one of the most commonly mistranslated passages in the whole of the Torah and Prophets. So that Sa'ar Ta'uda is the first phrase we translated. I translated it as, because it is written in the call imperative, the imperative is expression of first person volition. Choose, because it is of your own volition, to wrap up, cover, and store the written testimony, keeping the correct information safe and secure from those who oppose it, and then bear witness to the authorized agreement to corroborate it and restore the relationship. Sign, seal, and affix the personal stamp to the Torah's teaching, Chatam Torah, for Lamud Ani, my disciples who learn from me, from those I teach and who receive instruction from me as receptive students. After asking Yisrael to observe his Torah and listen to him for over 700 years prior to Yashaya, the political and religious leadership of Yisrael had become so corrupt it was no longer of any use. The fact talking to Yisrael had become counterproductive. The people were so badly misled. Their every inclination was to misappropriate and misrepresent God's testimony, which was far worse than ignoring it. Mm-hmm. I want to share that with you again, because yes, it is essential for Jews to hear this. Israel had become so corrupt in the pursuit of their religion that God found talking to them to be of no value whatsoever. He ceased to speak to them and through them. In fact, talking to Israel, to Jews, had become counterproductive. People were so badly misled. They are so badly misguided by their religion. Their every inclination is to misappropriate and misrepresent God's testimony. And misrepresenting what God had to say is far worse than ignoring it. Yes. This left Yahweh with a difficult decision. He could continue to subject his Torah to religious gerrymandering, or he could conceal it from his already estranged people. He wanted them to understand it and to come back home, but he could not allow them to change it or to confuse others about his intent. So having seen well into the future, God realized that for the next 2,700 years, there would be no one willing to listen or learn. No one. During that time, 
he would essentially keep the Torah under wraps, knowing that when the opportunity was right, he would find somebody. He could teach someone willing to listen and then share the insights with Yehudim. This is prophecy, man. Right here in front that of us. That time wow. yeah, is now. Yeah. Are you willing to listen? Just three chapters hence. Yashaya will describe Yahweh's solution to this problem. We're in the eighth chapter. When we enter the ninth chapter, the entire chapter is devoted to Yahweh's answer for this problem. He said he would raise up a choder. That's a sucker. A sucker isn't a pejorative. A sucker is something that grows from the original rootstock. When the, the stump has become and the tree has become rotten and fallen down, the roots can still be productive. And the sucker then grows up to manifest a new tree, which can be exceedingly productive. And that's what a choder is. Recognizing that the learning curve would be steep, the breadth of material would be expansive, mm -hmm. and the stakes would be exceedingly high. Indeed. With no time to fail, God would assign seven spirits, specifically to educate, to enlighten, to empower, and emboldened his witness. Twenty years later, the blinders have been removed, at least for those who are no longer controlled by the rabbis and the religious. If you are receptive to learning, if you're willing to respond appropriately, at least to God's guidance, if you accept the fact that his testimony is limited to the Torah, Nabi, Wa Mizbor, if you are rational and appreciate the value of corroborating information, if you are interested in making the connections needed to correctly ascertain Yahweh's approach to his people, then you are welcome into his presence. While his people have given God every reason to continue to conceal the meaning and purpose of his Torah guidance, his constraints were nonetheless limited directed towards those inclined to corrupt and pervert his teaching. This would therefore include all of those who errantly referred to the Torah as the law, to Yahweh as the Lord, to the Mikre as Jewish feasts, or to the Masiach and Ben-El as Jesus Christ. If you turn to the Talmud, or New Testament for answers, you are on God's restricted list. Yahweh has quite literally obstructed access to the original autograph of his Torah. The signed copy he provided Moshe. It remains alongside the Ark of the Covenant and the stone tablets in a steel cavern beneath Moriah in Jerusalem. Its release will be orchestrated in conjunction with Yahweh's return. Part of it released, I don't know how much of it, but a considerable amount of it released during the three years that the last two witnesses prevail mm -hmm. when speaking 
and Jerusalem. In addition, while many hundreds of the oldest surviving manuscripts of the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms were concealed for two millennia, and thus yeah. during the rise of the rabbis, now with the published texts of the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have been given access to the Word of God, recorded apart from rabbinical and Christian influence. And for the first time in all of those years, in an honest effort, it has begun to ascertain what God actually revealed so long ago. Allowing the voice of the Almighty to rise above the screech of the religious once again. Whether it is in Yada Yahweh, means to know Yahweh, to understand Yahweh, as predicted by God, or from another, who, with Yahweh's support and spiritual assistance, embarks on this mission to expose what God had once concealed. Our attitude and approach towards Yahweh will calibrate our capacity to understand what our Father is requesting of us and offering to us. Words are just words. The carriers of information until they are given the proper meaning and they are explained. Moving on to Yashaya, Isaiah 8.17. This is spoken by Yahweh, the God who created the universe and conceived man and inspired his Torah and prophets. So while I will wait in anticipation, Chaka, I will be patient, while longing for that which is inscribed to cut us into the relationship. For the approach of Yahweh, who is concealing his presence from the house of Jacob. Then therefore I will confidently await the outcome which is beneficial and good in association with him. I apologize, I misspoke. This is not in Yahweh's voice, it is in Yahshua Yah's voice. It is what Yahshua Yah was inspired to write. But I want to be a little bit careful even on that. Yes, yes, clearly what Yahshua Yah writes is true. God doesn't just speak through prophets as if they were recording devices. He doesn't use we humans that he chooses to work with in that way. He wants us to project ourselves and what we have learned, what we are experiencing, the insights we derive, our own thoughts and feelings about what we are learning along the way. He chooses, chooses to work through people so in recognition that he's communicating to people. And so it is appropriate for Yashia to express himself. It's, impro- it's, it's pertinent for us to learn from him. And so it was Yashia saying, I will wait in anticipation. It's <laughs> been a long wait, Yashia. <laughs> 2,700 years. I hope you're pleased. For the approach of Yahweh, who is concealing his presence from the house of Jacob. Then, therefore, I will confidently wait the outcome which is beneficial and good 
in association with him. So he's acknowledging it's going to be a very long time that Yahweh will conceal his presence from the house of Yaakov. That would be Yisrael. That would be anyone who is part of the 12 tribes. Yisraelite or Yahudim. Yahud. Then he says there is good news to announce in association with Yahweh. He's going to return. He's going to reconcile his relationship with his people. The moment Yahshua was confidently awaiting is right now, this day. As a result of focusing upon the words of the prophet at long last, we can eagerly anticipate the imminent ingathering of Yehudim. While God can be known, he has no interest in making it easy. Now, that might come as a surprise. The reason that's true is he has to have a filter. If God just said, yeah. uh, here's the five things on the list. If you accept yeah, these five enough. things, uh, then uh, you're, you're good to go. You're welcome to heaven. Heaven wouldn't be any different than earth, life here. <laughs> and if you like this life, if you think that, hey, you know, the wars we're fighting, the lies we're promoting, the restrictions we're imposing, uh, if you think this is all swell, and that uh, you want to live like this forever, then, uh, well, I guess you can't have at it. Because, well, if you're really religious, you will be able to have that wish. Because uh, if you're a promoter of religion, you're going to live forever in Sheol, which is the akin to a black hole, along with the other really religious people. But, you know, if you're just going along to get along, you're... Uh, the end of your mortal life will be the end of your existence. There will be no penalty. Uh, simply, uh, your soul will be uh, wiped out. So there's nothing more. So in this particular case, God can't make it easy. He has to make certain that the kind of people that he's going to spend eternity with, that we are going to spend eternity with, are interesting. You know, you know what it's like to to have to sit around uh, uh, with people who you've got nothing you can talk to them about, how boring it is, or people that slather all kinds of opinions that are untrue. And after a while, you say, what's the purpose? I can't talk to them. Go I can't away. reason with them. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're just idiots. They believe all sorts of things that are counterproductive and untrue. I can't fix that. What in the world are we doing here? And it gets really old. Well, you know, that's a matter of, of minutes or hours. Imagine what it would be like for all eternity. And so God is saying, no, nah, there'd be none of that. So I have to have a test. I have to have a filter that separates those who genuinely come to know me, who genuinely want to be with me forever, who are uh, willing to reject religion and politics, who are willing to to come to know and understand and appreciate the terms and conditions of the covenant, who answer my, uh, my invitations to meet and understand what they represent, that those are the kind of people who are inquisitive enough, who are honest enough, who are truthful enough, mm -hmm. that they will be interesting to spend an eternity with. That's why you've got to be able to think your way to him. So while his agenda and timing remain a mystery to most, those who listen to him confidently await 
the beneficial outcome that he has promised. We know that he will return for Israel, remove the filth, and restore our planet. As a nabi, Yashaya was not only responsible for a excuse me, I should say, Yashaya was not responsible for attracting yes. an audience. Not his job. He was not responsible for building a following. Wasn't his job to promote the message, nor save anyone within his community. That's something that the religious get mixed up to. Yahweh does not hold anybody accountable or responsible for promoting this message, for saving anyone within the community. Our instructions from Yahweh are to listen to what he had to say, are to be observant regarding his testimony, and then to do our best to teach what we learn to our children and all who will listen. What they do with it is up to them. Who chooses to listen is both up to Yahweh and to those individuals. If you're turned into this program and are intrigued enough to begin reading, begin with volume one of an introduction to God. Learn who he is. Learn what he's offering. Learn how he communicated to us. See whether or not you like him, whether or not you can accept the terms and conditions of his covenant. Since Yeshua isn't known to have performed a single miracle not a sign or a wonder. And since uh, oath and mopeth are being used in this next statement to represent something far more impressive, more enduring, and useful, prophecy, uh, we have to keep an open mind. But before we go there, Kirk, I think you, uh, you analyzed uh, Yashaya uh, 817 uh, in the uh, ensuing week. Uh, and have some thoughts you wanted to well, share on? Well, I just I just tell you real real briefly on on seventeen what I what I did there I analyzed what you had written verbatim to make sure that you know, no matter where I went you you, you couldn't come up with a different uh, uh, conclusion. But uh, the funny thing was uh, I, I've been doing the comparing it to all the Christian English translations most of mm-hmm. these verses, mm-hmm. and of course they're trash and and they they're the dumbest people on earth. It's truly. Truly, they don't get it, nor do they want to get it. I, I think it's less of them changing it because they just don't know how. They, they truly do not understand it. We, we were talking about it before. Uh-huh. But this was really funny. This is how that last one, 17, was, was uh, presented in the Jewish Publication Society. Yeah. And I, okay. and I will wait, and it says, I will wait for the Lord that hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. <laughs> well, well, that's really helpful. Uh, so, first of all, uh, they never waited for him. If it, you know, so we're well, first of all, yeah, uh, this is of course this is Yashaya. This is Yashaya speaking. Yeah, talking. So, uh, yes, I understand. So, so he's going to. He's um, waiting for the Lord. But he doesn't know his name. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know, know his name. name. And oh, by the way, and what is he? Got, why is he waiting for this Lord when uh, Yahweh is talking to him regularly? It's kind of kind of odd, don't you think? Well, so. In fact, the whole and, thing, just the greatest scroll around is is all about this time. 
I mean, Yahshua's scroll right there in the center of Jerusalem on display. And it's all, it's the, the bulk of it is, this is, I did everything. I wrote all this down for them to explain it later. Because he opened the door. Yeah. He said he looked behind and it was nobody came in. So he knew yeah. it, and he lamented that, you know, Yahweh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I obviously did a lousy job. And I was hey, you didn't write this for them. You wrote yeah, it for right. the people ahead. Right. So, um, so it's just, it's just so trite. I go, why bother? And the same thing with the English translations, why I bother? But uh, I'll promise you, if you follow the instructions on where, what to, how to translate, because I am, I am, I was totally ignorant of all this when I started. Mm-hmm. It, Fifteen years later, I'm getting a little bit better, but I can well, break you know, it all down. That's one of the reasons why I think that the rewrite of uh-huh. an introduction to God, which is now three volumes, uh, the first mm-hmm. volume. Is uh, is words the Badim words? The second uh, uh, volume is uh, Mitzvah instructions, and the third volume is Torah teaching. Uh, the those three volumes go a long way to explaining what are the oldest manuscripts? How did we come to mm-hmm. have them? How do they differ from the Masoretic text? Um, what are the letters that comprise the uh, the Hebrew uh, language? Uh, what are the stems and uh, and the moods and the conjunctions mm-hmm. uh, that influence the meaning of the verbs and how they shape the action being conveyed by those verbs? And then uh, uh, how these letters are all shaped to originally tell a story. Um, yeah. And one of the things that we, we've talked about a long time, Kirk, and, and as an artist, you have reveled in is the original language that the Torah was written as a pictographic uh, language uh, mm-hmm. where the Aleph was an ox's head, where the Beth was drawn the, as a, uh, uh, as a uh, foreplan of a home that each of these letters describes something. You know, the hay is a person standing up, reaching up to God. The Rosh is a person's head that, that is uh, observant. Uh, the zeth is a uh, is a plow that's overturning uh, new ground. Uh, the yod is a hand, uh, an arm reaching down and out to us with an open hand. Uh, mm-hmm. The ain is a uh, is an eye. Uh, the koth is uh, is about a sunrise at the beginning of a new day and increased enlightenment. Each of these letters. Uh, all of them depicted either something to do with our very nature, uh, a pay was a mouth, a shin was teeth, which described nourishing mm-hmm. words. All of these letters, um, uh, a tazde is a sign, uh, described either something that was germane to the human experience or was uh, described a uh, part of the human anatomy. Uh, and the scholars have, for many, many, many years now have protested that the Torah could not have been written by Moshe because there was no alphabet to, uh, to write it down and therefore is written, uh-huh. written by four groups of individuals uh, uh, in the uh, 7th century BCE as opposed to uh, 15th century BCE. But oops. Oops, not so uh, fast, yeah. pal. Oops, not so fast, pal. Uh, I think you did a little research into uh, what was discovered on Mount Ebel and um, uh, how it pertains to 
the realization that the original alphabet was, in fact, this pictographic alphabet that we present yeah. in uh, volume one of An Introduction to God, uh, and that the events that are described in uh, the uh, both in the Torah uh, by Moshe, when he says that I want you to go uh, between these uh, two mountains, and I want to tell you about the curses and the blessings, I'm going to tell you the cause of the blessings and the cause of the curses. And this is what I want you to do between these two mountains and about the altar that I want to build and, uh, and who's to go where and, to, and what's going to happen. And then in the book of Yosha, uh, written by Yosha mm-hmm. ben Nun, which follows the Torah, you actually see, see God say, he, he and, this, and, this, and this is what yeah. we did. He said to do yeah, this, and right so we mountain. did it. And yeah. So what did they and find on the mountain? Yeah, what do they find on Mount Ebel, and um, how does that pertain uh-huh. to validating all of this? Well, the, you know, it was a letter, they call it an envelope because uh, it folds over, and they're still looking at things, so they haven't released everything. I'm sure they're waiting on the book rights, too, but they've given us <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, they went into a yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but it fixes the date, uh, gives us a real close approximation of where they came, where they how they uh, came out of Mishram, when they came out of Mishram. Uh, yeah, the and, altar uh, itself, Chuck which and, was found, I think, mm-hmm. in the 1970s, uh, 1980s, something like that. The altar itself mm-hmm. uh, is a uh, is a perfect example of what was described on the, how the altar would be yeah, built and where it would be built. And the altar dates uh, back to the time of Yahshua, dates back to mm-hmm. 1400 BCE. And the yeah. tablet, it's a lead tablet, that uh, an envelope that you're referring Which to, was, uh, was uh, found time, much yeah. more recently in a wet sifting of the debris field from around that altar. And the lead tablet was inscribed with these Paleo-Hebrew uh, letters, yeah. uh, the oldest by far reference to Yahweh's name, and specifically described what Yahweh said should be done yeah. on this mountain. Uh-huh. Well, think about it. It, prove, it proves uh, uh, that the Hebrews had a language, so you can't argue that anymore. It proves Yahweh's name. They were openly using Yahweh's name, so they obviously yep. must. You can write it. You have to read it, and if you read it, you got to be able to pronounce it. So give me right. a break here. So yep. uh, and the and expert that the, said with the characters that are displayed on this tablet, you could write every word in the Torah. And yeah, uh, and then what they have found is that the uh, um, that the mine that this the lead in this tablet came from was in Greece and in operation in the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 14th uh, century uh, BCE. Uh, folks, this is, this is pretty this extraordinary. Is valid- if you want <laughs> and, validation, yeah. 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 Come on. You know, what I do is in um, a chapter, um, four chapters after this one, um, because mm-hmm. I've, Yahweh speaks of Jezreel and these two mountains are in the uh, at the very beginning of the floodplain that becomes the Jezreel Valley. Um, I tell the story of what uh, of what was to be there. I tell I share the entire uh, chapter in Debarim, I think it's the eighth chapter, where uh, this is presented and what God has to say about uh, the curses and blessings that will befall Israel. It's riveting what God has to say and so pertinent to our day. And then uh, Yeshua, where it is, uh, where he goes over it, is also presented there. But also this announcement um, and the claims in favor of it and the claims uh, against it. Um, but 
at the very least, we have uh, proof of the original Hebrew alphabet, uh, that proof of, of, of the fact that, that what Moshe wrote occurred, what uh, Yosha ben Nun uh, wrote about occurred, the way he said it in the place that he said it, and uh, that uh, the Hebrew alphabet existed at this time. Um, yeah. It's, How cool. uh, Hey, of course, the scholars are having a conniption fit because it disproves everything no, that they, no, no. Uh, that they believe, yes. But it is really, really uh, an, an, uh, an intriguing uh, find. Yeah, it, I, for me, Kirk, I, I, have a, uh, I, I do have a problem with all of this, though, and that is that while I'm glad to share it and there will be new people listening who will find it intriguing, um, uh, and there's already just a whole wash of lies out there trying to uh, discredit it. Uh, sure. For those of us who know Yahweh, eh, we don't need any more proof. Oh, my goodness. No. The, the proof is so abundant uh, that we, we have moved so far past that. But we have to recognize that, you know, there are others listening for the first time that haven't spent the last 10 to 20 years with Yahweh. Uh, mm-hmm. and spent every day translating his testimony and, and writing about what we can learn from him. Uh, so this kind of thing is is valuable. Yeah, I agree. Yep, it's so fun, as, as we uh, uh, move on, we uh, find uh, this uh, uh, a statement which, uh, well, I think it's impossible to overstate the importance of uh, prophecy. Uh, what it accomplishes more valuable than the universe and everything in it. After all, what could be more important than verifying that Yahweh exists, than demonstrating that his testimony in the Torah, the prophets and Psalms can be trusted, than proving that he has provided a means to develop a relationship with him, and that he is ready, willing, and able to empower and enrich our very existence. Behold, I myself, and that which I have conceived, to the benefit, to benefit from the relationship that Yahweh has bestowed through me, serve as signs to illustrate the message and as symbols of important future events which will occur with and through Yisrael, those who engage and endure with God in conjunction with Yahweh of the spiritual implements who dwells camping out in Mount Zion. Zion means the signs which are posted along the way. So here is Yashaya saying something really profound. After learning how the desperate situation of his people and that God is going to hide himself from them, and keep them from misrepresenting his actual Torah and prophets for a very long time. He says, Behold, I myself, and that which I have conceived, to benefit from the relationship that Yahweh has bestowed through me, this all serves as signs to illustrate the message, and as symbols of an important future events which will occur with and through Yisrael in conjunction with Yahweh of the spiritual implements who dwells camping out in Mount Zion. 
where the signs are posted along the way. Now, I think that the most interesting and insightful rendering of this words uh, is, as I've shared, it's not the only interpretation. Yashaya may have been commenting upon the name of the prophetess's child, saying that it is an important sign for the future of Israel. Also, the offspring, uh, uh, his words would conceive, include the covenant's children, particularly as his mm-hmm. revelations shine most brilliantly during the last days. Each perspective is relevant and should be considered, especially since compelling prophecy is Yashaya's greatest gift to his people, and no one was more compelling. But not everyone would be on the same page. We see things um, different ways or come to the point where we see things through his eyes. Most would prioritize religion over relationship, man's spiritual advice over God's promises, the assistance of saints rather than the gift of life. So we'll end our program. I know we're still recording. We're no longer broadcasting. Uh, uh, We Mm -hmm. do have a significant audience uh, listening by telephone who can still hear what we have to say. And of course, to the 99% of people who listen to the archives of this program, they will uh, continue to hear what we share. So we'll go one statement further in the text and then uh, uh, begin again uh, on a new day. Okay. Time next week. It reads, and when they say to you, you should consult with the mediums who speak for those who lived in the past and the spiritualists who meditate and mutter unfounded statements and who Twitter toxic musings. Instead, people consult with their God through the living and not the dead. Wow. That's quite an indictment against rabbinic Judaism. Rabbinic Mm -hmm. Judaism, it's uh, it's all about what uh, the Rambam, Mamamides, had to say. It's all about what did Akiba have to say. It's all about what their favorite rabbi wrote in the either the Jerusalem or the Babylonian Talmud. That's who they quote. And you look at their Zohar, which is spiritualism. Mm-hmm. That's a, no. So uh, when they say to you, you should consult with the mediums who speak for those who lived in the past, and the spiritualists who meditate and mutter unfounded sentiments, he's talking about the Talmud and the Zohar. Yeah. And who Twitter toxic musings <laughs> like birds. That's pretty funny. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, really, I looked at yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's Twitter. That's, that's Twitter. what it means. Oh, it's Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> instead, shouldn't the people uh, consult with Darash, their God, yeah. through yeah, the living? Instead of the Instead yeah. of the dead. Yeah. 
Okay. But so they weren't very good who is the living is. who is speaking to them about Yahweh, their God? <laughs> that they aren't listening to because they prefer... No. To, oh, by the way, no, I, I, I used people. to have a thing I against social people. media. And while I do not participate yeah. in social media, we do mm-hmm. now have a social media outreach. And we yeah. have uh, one of my favorite uh, people, name is D, who manages uh-huh. our social media outreach along with uh, my wife, uh, Leah, and, uh, and uh, our, uh, our wonderful and amazing uh, publicist, uh, uh, Jackie, is also uh, very involved. And it's all done through the yadaya.com uh, website, which David has put together for us. And and so they are promoting this message using social media. Uh, and the, the um, promotions in particular, like this week happens to be Brazil, uh, are mostly through Twitter. Um, and it's so interesting because uh, Musk, the, uh, the founder of, uh, of Tesla and SpaceX, uh, has either recently purchased or in the process of purchasing uh, uh, Twitter. I don't know how far that is along, but he certainly made an accepted offer. And his principal interest is freedom of speech. He does not like what has happened to social media with the thought police determining what you can Mm -hmm. and cannot say on uh, Facebook, on uh, YouTube, uh, on uh, um, these social media. So he bought Twitter really as a service to humankind, saying that even if you disagree with what somebody has to say, they should be allowed to say it, and then it's our job to discern what's right and wrong as opposed to trying to control what people can read, and then you essentially have a Gestapo. You have a a uh, 1984 uh, Orwellian kind of of world. And to his credit, uh, Twitter, uh, should he be able to influence it, will be the most open and honest um, voice for people to communicate uh, their ideas. And so we are we are using it. So I'm, at one time, at one time I would have speech. mocked wow. I would have mocked uh, Twitter along with the others of them. And while I uh, mm-hmm. I do not tweet, I wouldn't even know how to tweet. Uh, we do have we do have a Twitter account. <laughs> I've never you can tweeted. Go to yada yada com, and you can go uh, to community. And the first link on the upper left uh, happens to be our uh, <laughs> our Twitter and Facebook uh, feed. So add, add one. Add, let me add one last yeah, thing. Yeah. And because the new site does something that I could never do. Long ago, I used to cut up old. Uh, you'd write, rewrite something. I'd take the old ones and I'd cut out the uh, the verse, you know, and try to put them together. I couldn't keep up. Uh, but uh, now you can go and look up every verse uh, that's been written or translated. So when you're doing this and it relates to that and it relates to that, yep. you can just look them all yeah. up. And you actually, can't, is, on, is, you actually can't on the yadayad.com Oh, I'm sorry, it's on David. But if you go from yadayad.com and rather than uh, – and by all means, click on the social media outreach. That's the first uh, link 
uh, on the mm -hmm. upper left of the uh, community page. The second link yeah. on the right happens to be a website that uh, is um, uh, produced by, managed by uh, our webmaster, David, the gentleman who, um, uh, who uh, uh, has put together uh, the website uh, with all of the books on the the shelf, the way it has been presented. But he has a little different architecture in uh, the site that he created, mm -hmm. which makes it easier for him to present the uh, the lookup tools. Uh, and so he's working to try to get that transferred also on the Yada Yada site. But it's no big deal at the moment because all you do is is click over onto his site. I think it's called David's God. And it's a play on words because Doe David uh, is the uh -huh. uh, is the Son of God and uh, the Messiah, uh, and he's the one that's returning. So it, and his name happens to be David too. So anyway, it's kind of a, a fun uh, name. And uh, good name. One of the tools that he has on the far right of his uh, upper uh, part of his site on the uh, upper ruler on the site is uh, the header is a. Um, index translation for index. the Torah yeah. Prophets of Islam. So you click on it and you'll see the Hebrew name for each of these books along with the English uh, name. Uh, and then you can, like if you uh, were to go to Yashaya, you'll see that we have translated most of Yashaya. If you go to Dabarim, you'll see that we have translated most of it. And every place that it has been, that a, a particular statement or passage has been translated, he will list it along with the, the volume and page, uh, volume, chapter, and page, that you will find that translation. You can click on it. It will actually bring it up on the left side of your, uh, your screen and within your browser. Or you can, if you have the actual books, you can uh, go to that book and read it in, uh, in context, whether it's amplified or uh, presented in, uh, in a non-amplified form. Uh, and so I do. I use it every day. Yeah. I, I'm, I pulled it up as we were talking. It's just amazing. Yeah. Right. I'm on Yashi Yah. Freedom is from Yah. Mm -hmm. It's just like, wow. Yeah. It just yeah. goes on and, and on and on. Yeah. And this on. is not the first time we've translated Yashi uh 8, for example. Yeah. Because in, uh, in the series Observations, we begin with uh, some of the Mashal Proverbs, and then we, we uh, move through Yashi Yah from... Um, verse 1, chapter 1, all the way through, uh, you know, somewhere around uh, chapter um, uh, 18, 19, and 20. Uh, and then in other volumes, we pick it up from there and go uh, pretty much to the end of the, uh, of the book. Uh, so Yeshia 8 was translated and presented uh, for, eight, uh, yeah, for uh, pretty much the same reason but in a different context uh, for mm -hmm. observations. Uh, so you'll find it uh, there, and you uh, can find it in, uh, in, uh, also here in Volume 7, uh, Shana, Years. Uh, here it's presented because we want to have the proper context to understand who is uh, being described in that famous prophecy unto us, a uh, child is born unto us, a son is given. And then all the things that are said about him. Now, what most people don't realize is the person and being described Jesus. is actually named. Yeah. Uh, and there's only one uh -huh. person that, that meets all the criterion 
in the prophecy, uh, and it is not the so-called Jesus Christ. It happens to be doubt. And it's essential to know that because it will change your outlook on what God intends to do on behalf of his people. So that's why we're here. We're going to pick it up again with uh, Yeshua 8.19 this time next week. It's one of the most interesting (laughs) statements in uh, in all of the prophets. So we'll have some fun with it as we uh, we try to understand it and uh, apply it uh, to our lives. So, Kirk, thank you for uh, being here. Uh, look forward you. to being thank with you, you uh, next week. Thank you for all of you who are listening, those in the uh, the chat room, uh, and those who do so much work uh, and uh, provide so much support uh, to uh, these books and uh, the uh, Yada Yada series uh, and also to these programs and to the social media. May Yah bless you all. Thank you for being there, and we look forward to being with you this time next week. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.